for everybody who's here this morning to join us to, to worship the Lord. It's a good time, isn't it? Amen? All right, well, I got a, I got a question for you. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate that. I got a question for you. Have you ever uh, been part of a, you know, maybe a group gathering where you're witnessing an interaction between a couple that's there that's maybe a little bit too intimate for your taste? Like maybe it's, it's a couple that's having an argument, a disagreement, and you're like, you should save that for later because I really am uncomfortable and don't want to watch this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been that couple? Or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, a couple that's being intimate, like a little too intimate, like in love with each other. Like they give each other a kiss and then, you know, they're like, you're like, hey, there's other people here. Like slow down. That's for later. You know, where they start using cute, cutie nicknames for each other and you're like, whoa, whoa, hey, I didn't need to know that. I don't, I don't need to know that you call your husband Pookie Butt or whatever you call him. Like that's, that's a little too intimate, Right? Sorry if that's your nickname. I, I'm not, that's not based, that was something I pulled out of thin air. I don't think I've ever heard that. So, somebody just got real self-conscious. Or maybe, maybe it's just an inside joke, right? A couple that's sharing an inside joke. And you're, we're all kind of like, this is awkward, where's the door? Um, for me, it's all about boundaries and expectations. Because the truth is this, you should have boundaries and I have expectations, <laughs> That was a lot funnier in the first service. <laughs> but really, it's about boundaries and expectations because as a pastor, I'm actually privileged and enjoy having the opportunity to be with couples in some of their most intimate times with families. And I don't, like, not getting real weird, but like, you know, like I do counseling, premarital counseling. And it's amazing to me as, as we're talking through and the Holy Spirit is there and God's flowing, like how people you know, get to things that they would never get to otherwise. It's a real privilege to watch that. But that's because I'm in my pastor role and there's boundaries and expectations and, and that's okay. But the truth is this, even as much as I'm comfortable and flowing in the spirit and happy for the couple, if we haven't set those boundaries and expectations, if I'm not with you in that role, if, if it gets a little too intimate, I'm just like everybody else and I'm like, how do I remove myself from this awkward situation? Intimacy is a big deal, and we're going to talk about intimacy this morning. We, we, last week, we're, we're going through a series called The Divine Invitation, and I believe that God is leading us into a time where we will see him like we've never seen him before, the greatest intimacy that we've ever known with him and with each other, and the greatest season of the power of God being shown through his people that we've ever known. And we're going to talk this morning about intimacy because it's a huge cult issue in our culture because our culture has an incredible amount of boundaries and it prevents us often from being intimate as we should. Sometimes it's, it's the boundaries that we even establish among people who are getting married. I just saw a headline yesterday that the Chinese are very concerned, the Chinese government, because millennials are not getting married. They're not sealing the deal of intimacy. They're not saying we're going to do this for life, and there's all kinds of implications for that. Our culture does that as well. You know, there, there's no more neighborhoods, right? And so we don't have an opportunity to be, to be intimate with 
with our, with our neighbors. I mean, and I don't mean like just in a weird sexual way or like something like that. Like I'm talking about like the, the intimacy that's clear enough to see through, right? The transparency that's required for that. I'm talking about the intimacy of vulnerability where people know enough about you to really know you and really know what's going on inside. And really they know enough about you to actually use that against you if they could. Because the, the, the truth is we're created for intimacy. And there's some stuff that really ought to be seen about us and there's some stuff that's really reserved for those intimate relationships that God has made us for. But with the rise of things around us, like social media, we, we lose intimacy. It, social media is not, is not created for intimacy. Because what we see and what we put out there is a, is a curated version of ourselves. What we read is a curated version of people. Meaning this, we let people see what we want them to see. We let them see the good parts of our lives. Now, some of us, we have no filters, and maybe we should get some boundaries on what we post. But most of the time, you cannot, you cannot be intimate with somebody or know them, really, through social media. And we have isolations in all kinds of forms, specifically around coronavirus, right? You can't come to church and be within six feet of some of your best friends and and the hugs and the times together and gathering in homes and all that kind of stuff has removed us from intimacy. And so intimacy is a big deal. And it, the, the big deal is this, because we are created for intimacy. We're first created for intimacy with the Lord. We are created to walk with him in the garden from the very beginning. But we're also created for intimacy with one another. God said to Adam and Eve, you should be fruitful and multiply. But you should also, like there's going to come a time when there's children and husbands husbands and wives will leave their families and come together and the two will become one he had a prophetic vision of what intimacy with one another and what intimacy with him looked like that's what we are created for and so i want to ask you this in the midst of the boundaries that we've established in the midst of a lack of intimacy even with neighbors and with loved ones you know even in coronavirus i think some of us have been forced to be to look at the the lack of intimacy or the poor intimacy that we have in our relationships because you can't just go out and live and do, do whatever you want with everybody. You've got to face people face to face. And so if you're weary of that, of the isolation that you've had, or you feel like your relationships are more shallow than they should be if, as you're looking at them, or if you feel like you're walking through stuff right now and nobody understands what you're going through, or you're just tired of making relationships around you happen, if you're, I want you to listen to this invitation. This is an invitation from Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, and it's a key verse for this church, for our lives, what God's called us to do, because it's an incredible, very wide-cast invitation. Here's what the invitation is. He said, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I'm humble, and I'm gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Does that sound good? I want to share the context of that verse, because I think it's really important, especially as we're walking through seeing Jesus, being intimate with him, and experiencing his power. The context of this verse is first this. In verses 25 and 26 of, of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is, is giving context to the statement to come be with him where he talks about revelation. In fact, he's saying, God, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful, I'm, I'm enjoying this process that you're doing because you're hiding intimacy to those, from those who think they're wise 
and clever, and you're revealing it to those who are childlike. He's saying there's revelation if we will be childlike, if we'll receive him for who he is, if we will stop thinking we've got it all together, he will reveal himself to us. That's what we talked about last week in seeing him. But then verse 27 says this, it talks about intimacy, the call to be with him, the call to come to him and to find rest and to learn from him is a call to intimacy. It says this, verse 25, Jesus says, my father has entrusted everything to me and no one truly knows the son except the father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus knows the Father intimately. And he says that's an exclusive relationship that we've been invited into. So last week we talked about checking the invitation. And we went to a a series of scripture in in John chapter 1, the first chapter of John, And we looked at Jesus' invitation to his disciples. And we saw that the very first invitation to his disciples came in verse 39 where he said, come and see, he said. And the disciples came and saw. And so the invitation to us, and we'll talk about the progression of intimacy, is first to come and see. But then he gave them the second invitation and that kind of picks up in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Remember, John's disciples were standing with Jesus, and John's like, look, this is the one, go follow him. And when they went and followed him, he said, come and see. In verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John but you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, and this is the second invitation, come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. We're gonna see a progression of intimacy. We're gonna talk about what that progression is this morning. And the first is this, and we talked about it last week, but it's to come and see. God is bringing us to a time, and he's still doing that, and I I hope you join me in this social media fast, and if you haven't joined us in it, maybe you would do that for the next, it's not too late, you can pick it up this week, you can do it for two weeks, but we talked about limiting the voices of those around us that are not Jesus, because there's so much to see, and maybe eliminating social media, or media in general, or even relationships that cause us to not see who Jesus is, because it's so important that we see him first, and the invitation to see him is also contained in John chapter 5, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said, and the Father who sent me, he's speaking to religious people, by the way, and the Father who has sent me has testified about me himself, and you've never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts, because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because they think, you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. The first invitation is to come and see, and the invitation is to come and see him. See, here's the truth. He's speaking to religious people who knew the scriptures backward and forward. And the danger is this. We can know the scriptures backward and forward, and we can still not see Jesus. Because we ended with this scripture last week. We walk by faith and not by sight. We need to see what is accurate. Jesus invites us in him to see accurately, but he invites us to see also with eyes of faith. We can look and see everything and still miss it because we're not willing to come and see him. 
And so he invites us to come and to see. But then he invites us to do it by faith, and that's where the second invitation is in intimacy. And that's the intimacy to come and follow. Intimacy comes as we walk with him. You and I cannot be intimate with the Lord unless we're willing not just to come to him, but to walk with him. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes when we talk about having a relationship with God or we talk about giving your heart to Jesus or repenting or surrendering your heart to the Lord or praying a prayer of faith, we think that that's, that's what's required. And certainly it is. Like if we want to be saved, if we want to be God's children, we have to come to a place where we receive that gift of salvation that he has given us. But if we want to be disciples, if we want to walk with him in intimacy, if we want to know who he is, we can't stop at that, and we can't even stop at just studying scripture. We have to be willing to go where he goes, to walk with him, to allow him to lead us in life. And that was the invitation to the disciples. Lots of people came to Jesus. Lots of people saw him for who he was. They saw his miracles. They ate of his miraculous fish. They saw him do all kinds of crazy stuff. They, 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 they even believed that he was the one. But if they weren't willing to walk with him, they could not be his disciples and they could not walk in intimacy. The invitation to intimacy is an invitation to follow him where he goes. And here's a great promise. In John chapter 6, verse 37, he says, However, those the Father has, who has given... Those the Father has given to me will come to me, and I'll never reject them. The invitation, if you're here this morning, is first to give your life to Christ. The second invitation is to follow him. And here's the great news. He is not in a position to reject you. That's really good news. That's really good news. He is, not in, he is not positioned himself to reject you. He's positioned himself to receive you. And so whatever you struggle with, whatever's been your past, whatever's maybe even part of your life right now that you think prevents you from walking with him, if you will just turn to him, he will not reject you. He says in John chapter 6, verse 44 and 45, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And in the last day I'll raise them up, as it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. A couple things contained in that scripture. First, again, it's not an exclusive invitation. Second, everyone who listens, everyone who listens, everyone who listens can come. And the third thing is this. It's a, this scripture is a prophetic fulfillment of several scriptures in Isaiah, but specifically Jeremiah. Jesus said this, they will all be taught by God. The intimacy that we are called to is not the intimacy where somebody tells us how to walk with Jesus or tells us what Jesus is saying. It's an intimacy where we hear his voice for ourselves. And that was God's plan from long ago. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 says this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. By the way, a new covenant that we walk in that we're gonna talk about when we get to communion today. I will put my instructions deep within them 
and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. It's a prophetic declaration of the intimacy that we can walk in, and the intimacy that Jesus told his disciples about, and the intimacy that you and I are invited into today. The next step in the progression of intimacy is this, it's to come and be with him. To follow him, but then just to come and be. In John chapter 17, we're going to read uh, some of the words of Jesus around the Last Supper, but the whole end of John is all these words as people, as Jesus gathered his disciples, those who had walked with him for three years of ministry and brought them into one place, and he didn't just go through stuff to reiterate it. He wasn't like, you know, you and I, before we leave our kids with the babysitter, going through the last list of instructions. He was literally with the ones who had walked with him, and he says, here are the things that are most important, not so that we would understand them in our hearts, but he talks about Uh, the Holy Spirit coming. He talks about abiding in him and being connected to the vine. He talks about what it means to have revelation and unity and I mean just all this incredible stuff. It's worth reading all of it through if you want to see what intimacy looks like. But in John chapter 17 verses 20 and 26 we have this incredible prayer that Jesus has over his disciples that he's gathered with. Those who have been intimate with him and I want you to hear this prayer in light of what he said for them but also for you and for me. Jesus said literally, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. How many of you, that's you? That's not enough hands. Um, How many of you believe in Jesus through the message of the disciples, the apostles? Okay, good. Just, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Here's what Jesus prays for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you've given me because you love me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Just a couple things about intimacy from the scripture. First is this, Jesus interceded and currently intercedes for your intimacy. He prayed 2,000 years ago that you and I would be intimate with him, that we would understand this incredible calling to walk with him, to know him, to be one with him. And he continues to stand in that place of interceding before the Father so that we would know who he is, that we would experience. And he said, I promise I'll send you the Holy Spirit. We'll talk some more about that next week. Second thing is this, Jesus is the standard of intimacy. If you want to know what it looks like to walk with God, look at Jesus. And don't look at him and say, well, that was Jesus. I can't have that. Jesus literally prayed that you and I could walk and be one with the Father like he is, that we could have that revelation as well. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful prayer. How many of you know God answers Jesus' prayers? 
You might be a little bit iffy on if he answers yours. He answers his son's prayers. He's currently answering them. Also, we need to understand that this intimacy is evidence to the world that Jesus is real. There are lots of people that claim the name of Christ that do not walk with the Lord, that are not intimate with him, and it disproves Jesus' reality. Lots of people have lots of reasons by watching Christians, Christians, people who claim the name of Christ and how they live unconnected to the Lord, and they say this, this is just a bunch of religion or a bunch of garbage. But if we walk in intimacy with him, it will prove to the world that he's real. And one of the ways he does that is by unity. God is calling us as a people to walk in intimacy with him in a way that it produces unity among us. So what does that mean? If there's disunity, some of us are not walking in intimacy with him. And before you think it's about the other person who's wrong, just go to the Lord yourself. Say, what do you want to tell me? What do I need to know from you? Because the truth is this, intimacy involves other disciples. You and I cannot be fully intimate with the Lord if we're not intimate with each other as well. Like, we can't just say, well, it's me and Jesus in my prayer closet and we're all good. And you all can just figure it out on your own. The, un- the, the intimacy that Jesus calls us to involves us being with other disciples. And how many of you know that the disciples, the original disciples, did not walk in unity all the time, right? And yet God, by his spirit, was calling them to a higher standard where he would prove his intimacy with them and would give them the ability to walk together in unity. And here's the last thing about unity, about being, come and being with him. That intimacy and glory, God's glory, are intim- intimately and intricately linked. And we're going to talk more about that next week. What does it look like for the intimacy that we have with God to produce his glory, for the, the revelation of his glory that we see to produce intimacy and the relationship between those two things? And when I say glory, I don't mean like that was a really good service and we sang some great songs this week and pastor's message just was, I'm talking about the presence of God and the glory of God falling in such a way, being among us in such a way that we could not deny that God was literally with us. Jesus said this in that scripture we just read, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. The ultimate progression of intimacy is this, that we get to come home. Jesus is calling us home. In fact, he promised in John chapter 14, verse 3, in the beginning of that interaction with his disciples, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He gives us an opportunity to be intimate with him now, but the ultimate culmination of that intimacy is when he takes us home. Scripture says right now we, we see but in a glass darkly, then we'll see him face to face. It's why people who have prophetic messages who are you know, fairly accurate and strong believers and love the Lord, that's why they get it wrong sometimes. It's why we get it wrong sometimes, right? How many of you believe the same things about God that you believed five years ago only? And no, he's not revealed any more of himself to you in the last five years or corrected your vision of him. 
He's walking us into that. But here's the thing. There's going to come a point where he comes in, takes us home, where he, he gives us brand new bodies, and we will stand face to face. Right now, sin has been dealt with so we can be in his presence, but then sin is completely done. We have brand new bodies. All the effects of sin are gone in our lives, and we will see him face to face. We will be intimate with the Lord. And if that is a scary thought, if that's like, I don't, know that, I don't know that I want that, then maybe we need to spend more time with him. Maybe he wants to show us more of his glory now so that we'll long for the glory that he'll reveal then. Maybe we should spend more time in intimacy now so that we will be prepared and ready and longing for the intimacy that he will have when he returns. This scene in John chapter 17 was when Jesus gathered with his disciples for the last time. And they celebrated the Last Supper. They celebrated Passover together. And Jesus redefined that. He said, you want to know how scriptures point to me? I'm going to take you through what God did with our people and I'm going to redefine it in terms of my life and my plans, what I want to do for you. So we're going to celebrate communion right now. If you don't have elements, would you just raise your hands and an usher will come and bring you some of those? I want to make sure everybody has them. Just a way of advice. If you pull the top clear tab first and get to the cracker, it's easier to get to the juice. We celebrate an open communion, meaning if you have a relationship with the Lord, you're welcome to participate. If you don't, if you don't know what it means to follow Jesus, if you've never received his free gift of salvation, you can pray right now and you can say literally just, God, I, I know I need you. I know I have sin. Forgive, forgive my sin and I'll follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I'll be your child. It's as simple as starting that way. But Jesus redefined what it looked like, even in that moment. And he said, he took the bread... It's part of the tradition. And he said, listen, this is what this bread really means. This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. Then he said, he took the cup after supper and gave thanks for it. He said, this cup is, represents a new covenant in my blood. Guess what? That's the new covenant that he's written on our hearts, the one that Jeremiah prophesied about, that you and I get to live in, where we are intimate with him where it's not just about knowing and not about religion and not just about having the scripture all figured out. It's about actually walking with a living God. He said, this cup represents a new covenant established in my blood. In other words, he dealt with everything. He made a way through his death and his resurrection for a people that were broken and full of sin to be washed clean and made intimate with their God. He said, I want you to do this to remember me because as often as you do this, you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We're remembering this morning the access to intimacy that he gave us through his death on the cross and we're proclaiming that he's coming again to make it all fulfilled and our intimacy fully restored. So Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken so that we could be made whole. We thank you for the blood that was shed to establish a new covenant where our sin was dealt with by your perfect sacrifice so that we could walk in intimacy with you now and so that we could await your coming 
and your restoration of full intimacy. We receive these gifts. We remember what you did. We bless your name for it. Tea together. And drink together. Jake's coming now to dismiss you. I encourage you to just stand and receive the blessing that he's about to give you. And pay attention to the announcements.